This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Well, it's a Friday edition of the program, and absolutely wonderful to have you, of course, hanging out here with us as we work our way and swing open the gateway to that weekend of yours. Get it ready mm-hmm. no matter where you are because we're all set to go. Uh, I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin. And we are settling back for a one-day show, but uh-huh. you have to put it into different... I don't know if I can because <laughs> we've talked about the comfort of Monday. We've talked about the easiness and of the reliability you can count on on Monday's show. But, of course, as soon as you say, well, Friday's not really my favorite day, people, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, no. No, 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 no. The show, I mean, it's it's great content, but it's hard to pick it out. Does I, that sound selfish? No, it's fine. You're the, one of the hosts of the show. You can definitely say all your days are your favorite. But uh, I think I've asked you this before. Well, you weren't born on a Friday, were you? I don't know. I'd oh, have to you don't um, know. check with my phone. I don't remember. I feel like I was born on a Thursday. Okay. What do you I, feel I about I've Thursday shows? Before. Oh, I, I like Thursday as well. See, mm-hmm. that's why I worried about being greedy because Tuesday and Wednesday, and it's nothing to do with content. It's the comfort, the ease of the show that I think is the telltale for me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The, but yeah. the structure of the shows had somewhat depended on the day of the week as well. Like we know our Friday uh, shows sure. are supposed to be more chill. <laughs> do you want to uh, get, tell us about our book of the month so people can get themselves ready over the weekend and speaking of chill do that while reading i would love to um but i will not right now i don't have okay, it ready for we'll you we'll do it shortly then okay Thank you. we'll do it shortly uh let us know uh folks let's take a look then at what's coming up on the program for today microsoft unveiled an AI model that understands image uh, content and solves visual puzzles. Don Beeler, he'll be here in a little bit with all those answers. Also, we have our gardening segment today with Susan Kearney, and we're highlighting the lovely evening primrose. Oh, nice. Yeah. And on the chatty bookshelf, Ryan Huey dies into Colin Kaepernick's book. This one's called Change the Game. We'll get into that conversation with him. A little sports talk, even, not even pushed by me in hour two of the program. So, folks, a driver pulled over three times in one day is thanking the officers and so happy to be alive. Pulling over Tamara Palmer in December after a call about a possible drunk driver. Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, police officers. You've been pulled over three times today now. Okay, I think you, I think something medical is going on with you and you really need to go to the hospital and get checked out. Body cam recording released. Do you take any type of medication? Uh, yeah, from my pain relief, my headache. Then? Ma'am, we're going to have you go with the ambulance, okay? Docs removed a brain tumor. Palmer says officers Zaton and Schoonmaker saved her life. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Wow. Mm-hmm. You talk about one of those moments where you don't know what these cops do and why are they bugging me. Oh, you could be frustrated. You recognize uh, my medication. And it goes a step further. 
that story gave me chills. Uh, I mean, absolutely enormous, you know, for them to be, to, first of all, paying such close attention, right? And and mm-hmm. I guess rules of the road and traffic and all this other stuff. But for them to even, like the officers to make that observation that, you know, three times it doesn't look right for you and asking those follow-up questions about the medication, I think is so spot on. You know, the, I don't know yep. if this speaks to the training or just people's conscientiousness, but regardless, this is huge. Oh, I love it because I know the first thing we think about is what's somebody on and usually some kind of negative street drug or alcohol, something like that. Um, But it's wonderful to see them zeroing in. And at least let's do some checking. Let's be sure before jumping to any conclusions because we're not medical Mm -hmm. people, but something seems to be happening. Also something happening soon, the Juno Awards coming up, folks. One of the nominees for Global Music of the Year at next weekend's Juno Awards brings a Holocaust survivor's poem to life. Lenka Lichtenberg's Thieves of Dreams was inspired by a series of poems written by her grandmother in a concentration camp during the Second World War. Blending chamber music and jazz, the album features songs in Czech about romantic love, betrayal, and hopeful dreams of faraway places. Thieves of Dreams features arrangements from 19 musicians from the Czech Republic, Canada, and Germany. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press, Toronto. So music by the nature is poetry in a lot of ways, or a lot of music follows a poetry-type formula. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is true poetry, um, liter- literary poetry that is being used in this music. And I think, again, showing the breadth of what they are doing when it comes to our Juno Awards, Ramya. Yeah, recognition of people's experiences, I think, through art is is so valuable. It's um you know, affirming its uh, experience being spoken through and to people through art, which is just, you know, that's the way we relate. That's the way we all connect with each other uh, through these arts. And I know that some of these award shows, maybe not Juno specifically, have had some bad reputation in the past, some Mm -hmm. questioning of whether it's proper to have these things around now anyway. Um, So doing this and this kind of thing getting in the news is a much better reason to talk about the Junos. Dora's off to the gang. Uh, love to see this stuff and so echo what you just said there because it's so true. And you know what else is true? We step aside from it. We shall return. And on the other side of the break, producer Grant Hardy, he's here with the latest headlines in health, lifestyle, and accessibility. Just a moment. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. So check us out on Twitter. If you have some time, please. Ramya's available, her handle, at AllRams with a Z. Myself, at AMI Kelly Mac, and of course, at Kelly and Ramya. Those are some important handles there. Just, uh, you know, follow along. Say hi. Love to hear from you. We settle in here Monday through Friday on the program, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That's the live show. And our repeat of the program at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So whenever you get a few moments from, we appreciate people checking out the show and uh, dropping us a word. Mm-hmm. Of course we do. We love sp- uh, spending time talking about some of your comments on air or questions and all that. So, Yeah, always love that response, folks. 
Speaking of response, we get some ideas of what's on Grant Hardy's mind, some things he's come across, and usually we cover off lifestyle, health, accessibility, a whole pile of different things. So let's bring him on board. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. The first of our contributors here on the program from uh, out west in uh, the Vancouver area, Grant Hardy joining us. Happy Friday, Grant. Hello, happy Friday. I just hope I can live up to that introduction here. You said what, health, lifestyle, accessibility, and a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't just know to make sure it's wide open. Ellipses. <laughs> Ellipses. <laughs> yes. That's right. Well, <laughs> where do you want to start, sir? Thank you so much for have, uh, sharing your show with me today. I wanted to start with the fact that, uh, you know, I don't usually talk about sort of uh, diet and food and nutrition, but I am starting to kind of think a little bit about my own health and wellness uh, and thought this was kind of an interesting one uh, that I found in the Times of London, interestingly. It turns hmm. out that a food plan devised by Harvard researchers known as the Alternative Healthy Eating Index, or AHE, I, uh, improved people's health and longevity the most, uh, even more than a Mediterranean or plant-based diet. Uh, there was a study of 75,000 women and 44,000 men in the U.S., and if they stuck to this uh, diet most closely, it lower, uh, ov lowered their overall risk of early death by up to 20% uh, and improved their uh, quality of life as well. Now, the system is a point-based scoring system that assigns ratings to foods and nutrients linked to your risk of developing chronic health conditions that affect almost 60% of over 60s uh, in England. Uh, and basically, the way to do it is ask me which foods I eat, and then just make sure that you're eating the opposite. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so the premise. I like that system, though. Me yeah. too, and I can yeah. imagine well, the... that. Grant, they better yeah. be paying you residuals. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> that's it for that article. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the idea is to forget talk of low carb or calories and instead focus on eating a regular combination of high quality foods. You get points for not eating certain foods and for eating certain foods. Oh. There's a series of non-negotiables such as eating only whole grains such as brown rice uh, and uh, whole wheat rather than uh, refined uh you know, white breads, uh, plant-based proteins such as tofu or chickpeas, a uh, little less on the red meats uh, and unsaturated fats, uh, and as well as uh, eating things like nuts and avocados uh, rather than unhealthier saturated fats like butter, cheese, and palm oil. Mm. Uh, so basically... Uh, as you can get a maximum of 10 points for seven different factors. Uh, and uh, that will apparently determine not only your health and longevity, but also 
the quality of your life. So it's not only about eating what you are told to eat, but not eating those harmful foods. I, I feel like it's kind of something we already know, but they lay it out in an interesting way. Very yeah. Interesting way. I, I appreciate the way you said that, Grant, because it's true. I, the intentions behind some of the studies and, you know, follow these regimes are often like weight loss related or fat loss or, um, you know, the, the awareness on such a, in, in my opinion, such a surface and almost like social oh, level. Gosh, of things. Yes. Right. And this, what are the two things you said? Quality of life and longevity of life. And I think that those are very important, significant and lovely ways to look at this. Um, I also like the point system of, you know, do and get points and don't and get points. But I don't <laughs> like that they told me that I may not get points for eating cheese. Cheese yeah, is I kinda so good. Yeah, I kind of figured Well, it's hard, hard to separate me from my red meat. Yeah. So, and I think that might be a little more harmful. I mean, that's that's always the thing with these kinds of things is that, I mean, especially not that this is intended for for kids, but like especially growing up, like all that stuff, dairy and you know, this high calorie stuff, uh -huh. like that could be really good for you, right? And really help to, you know, give you that calcium intake and other stuff that you really need. So, well, hopefully and I think that that's where it, it's hard because we, how do you quantify 40 years from now? If someone was to start this at 40 or at 30 or at 20, the reality also is how much activity fitness, you undo. physical activity mm. yeah that's exactly. what i always wonder if i eat red because... meat till i'm like 60 am i can i <laughs> is that okay can i knock like, it off and get points then it's never too late to quit <laughs> well and it's interesting because you need so many of these things that they would say to you oh no no if you know when you're like 15 20 and maybe more active playing playing ball football doing mm. something but as you get older and you're don't have time for it and not doing some of those things this is where I find a lot of these are meant more for the, on the other assumption, you're not doing anything. Mm, yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely uh, something that this type of system, even if it's better than most, doesn't necessarily take into account is that people's needs vary based on their lifestyle and their activity. Mm -hmm. There's really no one. It's all part all. of it, isn't it? Mm. Um, Grant, you made the remark when we started this about yourself and when you read something <laughs> like this, I got to take it, like you said, part, taking you away from your red meat. Mm -mm. But have you come up with some of the things that you want to do better? Mine's always been make sure I have my water and cut down on so much of that starchy and sugar, but not deprive myself 100%. Take those corners, cut them off where I can drop soda, don't put sugar in coffee and tea, and then remind myself to pat myself on the back and say, hey, man, not bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important one you're, uh, that you just mentioned, is that we're literally, like, not built. We're not designed to be, quote, unquote, perfect. And I think just patting yourself on the back for, you know, what you do well is, like, really important. We, sh we shouldn't have any sort of guilt uh, with this. Uh, in terms of myself, I would say that, you know, my first goal, just thinking uh, small, is the sort of adding, like making sure that I'm adding 
those healthier things like a few nuts making sure to eat uh i tend to often skip breakfast and i don't eat until i'm kind of you know starving and it's around lunch i don't think i'm alone in that habit so just you know at least making sure that i have something when i wake up maybe swapping out the soda at least for coffee uh to begin with lots of water as well and you know trying to get through that salad maybe in addition to my plate of french fries Mm -hmm. uh, at dinner so we'll we'll continue sort of chipping away at that as the weeks go on here yeah, I, I I always find it interesting because as we've learned so much and talking on the show, you're very open about, you know, the, your fussiness, as you call it, or pickiness. But there's always that with people and always those littler things that we just need to add and make sure that we try to incorporate them regularly. And I think that's a lot. And I think a lot of time people hurt themselves thinking they've got to make such a grand sweeping change. And it's too difficult. And as you said, we're not perfect. Um, Next thing, sir. Okay. So I didn't even know that these existed, but apparently there's something called a desk treadmill. Wonder how that would work with hosting uh, a show like you guys do. It might be a little distracting, I guess. Uh, Oh, what would happen for me within 30 seconds? I'd be told, Kelly, (laughs) you're breathing too loud and too heavy. Quit it. (laughs) Okay. Well, it turns out that desk treadmills are a little different than uh, regular treadmills uh, because they say the speed is actually quite uh, slow in comparison, which makes sense because you have to be able to work at your desk and walk slash sprint at the same time. Uh, It turns out that uh, using these for a period of time, you know, 15 to 30 minutes a day is beneficial and can improve your fitness. It's a little bit like uh, remedial, uh, but it does not take away the need to hit the gym or get some more intense physical uh, activity. Uh, And they advise uh, use the desk treadmill uh, when doing work that doesn't require intense concentration. For example, uh, you know, when you're muted on a conference call or uh, reading a report. But if you're writing a report or an email or possibly hosting a national TV show, uh, it may not be the best time to run on a desk treadmill. Also really important to look at uh, some safety features, uh, like the typical features that you might have on a treadmill, for example, where uh, if you happen to slip off the treadmill, you got the little thing that pulls and and it makes the treadmill stop uh-huh. uh, but r- really interesting again just kind of a health and uh wellness thing thinking about these uh things that we can sort of add to our sedentary lifestyles i'm not sure i'm really ready for a desk treadmill but it's kind of i don't know maybe it'll be the next big trend what do you guys think it sounds like it's they already the getting there too yeah and yeah they have yeah, the yeah the bike sit and you just sort of sit and yeah yeah and i was gonna say like for those of us who have been uh investing in standing desks over the pandemic that became a big uh change right that people were adapting to and so if you're already doing that then maybe this next step doesn't seem as far off do you know what i can actually see a stationary sort of desk bike Mm -hmm. because i can see sitting there and then taking a few moments, mind you, I don't know how beneficial, quote unquote, a few mi- moments are, but t- 
taking some time where you're like, oh, I have got a little bit of a breather. Let me just pedal a little bit yep. here now. That might be easier. I, than, I think it would be beneficial and an easier thing to incorporate, check, especially if you decide I'm going to do it while I'm reading emails or, as you said, if you're on a, a meeting and you probably can focus and just do it in any little bit because you're thinking about it 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, five days a week if you are able mm-hmm. to incorporate that and then total it up, you're like, wow. Just more physical activity. Yeah. The best part is you could be on a meeting on a Zoom and it could be like, wow, you're looking like really passionate about like what we're talking about here. You know, you're turning red and everything. You're sweating over this, aren't you? No, I'm actually just out of breath because I'm running on my treadmill. (laughs) I I think they're really great. Anything like that. Yeah, because it really is a killer for all of us to get everything in. And it must make you feel good. Yeah, I spent 40 minutes on it today and I sold several (laughs) houses and I did this and that. I accomplished a lot. Uh-huh. Thanks, Grant. I love it. All right. Well, have a fantastic weekend, and I will be back with you guys in about a week. You betcha, sir. Enjoy yourself. Take care and be safe. We'll be back. Actually, for I will time. be back later today. I lied. <laughs> I I'm glad he lied first, and I just went along with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in a bit. As he mentioned. Back a little later for our Cut for Time segment, Grant Hardy. We do this generally with him on Wednesdays and Fridays. Next week, he's stepping away, though. So uh, he was telling the truth partially. We'll be back. Microsoft unveiled an AI model that understands image content and solves visual puzzles. John Beeler, he's here with the app update after this break. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Are you a student from the disability community? Apply now for the 2023 AMI Scholarship Program. Selected entries receive a $5,000 bursary and a queen-size queen temper cloud mattress. For more information, go to ami.ca slash scholarship. And you got a ways to, to, to get yourself registered, but I wouldn't wait that long, you know. You want to really get in on this as soon as possible. But at this time, take your time and get your uh, application in order. Take that time. And uh, I've had the privilege of being able to look at some of the submissions. And boy, folks, you do a good job. So real impressive. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And did you get questions yesterday? As to where'd the show go? Uh, from people like outside the company. Yeah, any messages online? No. Your friends that you pay to watch. I was going to say I feel like this is a trap, but uh, I don't know when. Why did you? Um, you know, <laughs> Margaret Weldon reached out later on, and Brock reached out because I think it was a. Uh, I'm settling down here with a snack. I'll watch the show and. Where is it? Uh-huh. So we had uh, well, some got... technical problems, and uh, we were here for partial show. Yeah, yeah. You got a quarter of the show-ish, and then you got AMI audiobook review, so, you know. <laughs> and on TV, Mary was Mary up. Mary so with Dish. It was definitely the Kelly and Rumya show feel. That's right. On both. That's right. <laughs> and speaking of feel of the show, on Fridays, we like to get our app updated, and let's bring on John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Bueller. 
technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We cover the gamut. John, I am willing to put money on the fact that at least half our content for the next year is going to be, it's going to have the word AI in it. What do you think? Fair? I think you're probably right. Yeah, at I least think only half. half. At least half. I wanted to say two thirds, but I might lose some of my money. So half is a safe bet. Well, I'll, I'll try to mix it up a little bit. Oh, yeah, you can. But AI is just everywhere doing everything. So let's talk about DuckDuckGo, which we haven't actually brought up in a while. Uh, but DuckDuckGo is bringing or building AI generated answers into its search engine. Tell us more. Yeah, so DuckDuckGo is a privacy-focused browser that anyone can download to their smartphone or to their computer. You're a fan, and right? Yeah, mm, I, I really like yeah. this, uh, the idea of this uh, product because they, they're not trying to sell you anything. You're not going to get bombarded with ads from you know doing research and that kind of thing. And it's basically been a, an open source uh, and, and free to all users kind of a thing, which is great. Um, like every other browser, it seems right now, DuckDuckGo has just integrated something called Duck Assist, which essentially integrates part of ChatGPT's OpenAI platform into uh, your search results, but specifically with a kind of an interesting little hook. What they're doing is if you ask certain questions in the search engine, it will actually summarize those uh, answers from Wikipedia by using the AI tool to actually do that for you. So it's kind of like a Coles Notes version of the Wikipedia entry for or whatever things you're looking for. So it's kind of an interesting little twist and sort of a little value add to your searching experience with DuckDuckGo. Okay, I'll tell you why I like this. Um, as a screen reader user, when you go through and scroll down trying to read Wikipedia verbatim, there are many links and footnotes and interruptions, okay, screen reader wise, which is of course necessary because we want everyone to cite their sources and yada yada, but it's cumbersome reading with screen reader and that's why I barely ever go to the Wikipedia page along with other reasons why not to always and fully check Wikipedia as your only source. Uh, but this seems like a nice way to kind of get out of that situation alone. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Wikipedia has a habit of having a clickable link on literally every, every second word. word yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, you can unfold everything, which is great to, to look at it or not if you're not interested in a certain section. But this would be beautiful just to get a cleaned up, highlighted version of that page. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's something that AI is really proving its its worth in, in the ability to summarize lengthy articles, long transcripts, uh, uh, stories, whatever you're looking for. You can, you can be very specific too with AI uh, and you can say, well, give me a 500 word summary of this 10,000 page book, you know, that kind of thing. Ooh, yeah. So you, you get to kind of choose your own adventure and how much information do you want? How detailed? Is there any specific ways you want it formatted? Those types of things. And DuckDuckGo's at first attempt with Duck Assist seems to be a very simplified version of that, which I think would be very useful for most people. Darn the only, footnote. yeah, the only kind of... Right caveat is you know if you're telling it to summarize or ai is doing this thing where it's summarizing an entire wikipedia page with all of its ins and outs into this summary i don't know you almost have to quality check the quality of the summary right like is it encompassing things 
correctly, accurately? Is it picking the most important things out or is it, you know, bringing up stuff that doesn't matter? That kind of thing. Yeah. And that's always going to exist, especially with human generated content. So yep. um, this just amplifies that because you're having this extra, you know, non-human system summarizing a human written thing. Mm. For now, it's human written, you know, and probably we, not much longer. And it doesn't know what you want. Written. Exactly. Exactly. And it just, if you tell it, hey, shorten it down, it's going to show, all right, but it's still going to give what apparently with checking around is the the vital stats that you need. So I find that in itself amazing to think of it doing that, as you say, especially stuff composed by humans. Um. Want to move into Google here? Uh, Google's VPN One will soon be available to all subscribers. What's this look like, John? Yeah, this is something that Google uh, made part of their premium package a while ago, and it was only available to uh, kind of two user groups. One, if you had a certain Pixel phone, you got it, and also if you were paying for two terabytes of Google One storage. Um, they've essentially made this so anyone with a Google One account, which uh, the cheapest one you can get is like two dollars a month. Uh, I think it's. I think I pay about twenty seven dollars a year for a hundred gigabytes of storage with Google, and uh, having basically a free, really robust VPN that Google claims will never track you, never uh, copy anything, never back up anything you're doing. It really gives you the ability to sort of sort of disappear on the internet, um, or at least hide yourself from you know your, the other patrons in the coffee shop and other things like that um, by hiding behind this VPN. And I mean, this VPN is not going to let you get you know the US Netflix or anything like that, Aww. but this is really just meant to sort of obscure your personally identifiable information, your, you know, your IP address, that kind of stuff uh, from whatever connecting service you're using, like a Wi-Fi hotspot in a, in a, in a coffee shop, that type of thing. So essentially you're going to get this for free. I have this Google one account and I still haven't got it yet. Apparently it's on a rolling, it's rolling out right now. Uh, so that Google has said it might take a couple of weeks for everyone to get it. Um, but Hey, it's basically a, a, a free bonus that, um, uh, until very recently, you had to pay a little bit more money a, a month just to get. Yep. So is that because let's get it to where we like it, then we can make it free. So we'll give it to certain customers. Or is it that push because of the concerns of security that are now across the board with everyone? I think I think that's the the, the hook there is they're um, they're really trying to focus and, and build trust and in the US, they actually have something else that's sort of rolling out as part of this. It's not coming to Canada yet, um, but it essentially allows you to protect yourself from the dark web where Google will actually monitor for certain criteria that you can give it. And basically it'll watch for your, your name, your phone number, any of the Google account data that you put into your account, you can actually monitor for that stuff to see if it pops up anywhere else in a database, those types of things. So they seem to be really trying to be, you know, everyone seems to be pushing the privacy button right now and yeah. trying to build some trust there. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Like VPN at one point was not really heard of, you know, one in so many of us were as actually using it and aware of the, the service, the product. But uh, now there's competition in the world of VPN. Who are you going to pay? Who are you going to give your money to? And which product and service are you going to use and why? Yeah, and I, and I think the Google one will probably be very simple to use because you just download the Google one app, you click the VPN button and you're done. Yep, absolutely. And uh, also not to mention the... Um, 
accessibility, right? Like some of these apps are still not quite accessible and for for people in the community using screen readers and things like that, uh, it can be uh, the easiest choice to yeah, use because Google. You have that sometimes these apps, really... sorry, sorry Kelly, sorry, sometimes these apps are really not end user friendly at all. They're not. VPNs can be right. very technical and very difficult to navigate if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I can only imagine the extra layer of complexity when you're dealing with a screen reader to navigate it. Yep. But 100%. Google has that team and they're doing it. So this is where you say, we know they exist. Use the product. Yeah. One more thing on the list, uh, Microsoft, they've unveiled an AI model that understands image content and solves visual puzzles. Yeah, this is, this is a, a, again, another kind of fresh take on this whole AI integration thing. Um, they've, uh, Microsoft has unveiled something called Cosmos One. And the simplest way I can explain it is they've taken a number of different AI systems and integrated them into one thing so that you have things like image uh, recognition, text recognition, uh, the ability to understand natural language models, which is kind of what AI's been really popular for right now and they've essentially tried to emulate how a human would use all of these different systems at the same time so imagine using all your senses at the same time and and getting the benefits of that instead of having to do one thing okay i'm going to get chat gpt to do this thing for me then i'm going to take that and i'm going to go to mid journey and have it generate an image and like essentially this cosmos engine is a, a multimodal model as they're calling it and essentially it it combines a number of different kinds of technologies into one system so that you have the ability to you really utilize it in a very fundamentally basic way at this point. But the goal is to be much more like natural artificial intelligence would be from a human perspective, as opposed to just being something you can basically have do your bidding like ChatGPT. You have to tell it what right. you want, whereas this can actually interpret things and understand better from, you know, the fact that you have an image that has a phone number on the side of a van and you want to get that number and do something else with it. And it can sort of uh, stack a whole bunch of things simultaneously as part of the output of the AI. It's kind of like what we already have been experiencing with um, the iPhone, right? And, or uh, I'm not sure what it is, but it's the machine learning of, you know, picking out patterns in images and saying, okay, this is text, this is copyable, yeah. this is whatever. Um, it's been really, really helpful in a lot of practical uses, as you're pointing out. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this is they're actually feeding it IQ tests that are multi multiple formats. So everything from you know your basic text math problems to actual visual puzzles and uh, those types of things, which traditionally be very difficult because you'd have to tell the AI model what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Now they can sort of look at it and interpret it and figure out what the thing is. Right. And do that critical thinking and apply it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that um, they're also doing completely on their own. This is not part of OpenAI or chat and other things. This sounds like something they've been working on for a long time, completely independent of all that. I think they just bought into ChatGPT to make a very quick add-on or bolt-on to right. things like Bing and, and other things like that. This seems like something that's been in the process for a long time. Yeah. And uh, they're just starting to sort of see the fruits of their labor. Yeah, I'm so curious about what this is going to end up really helping with uh, bigger picture-wise. Awesome, John. we got to let you go. Thank you so much. Always great to talk to you guys.
you too. John Bueller, he uh, joins us from Vancouver for our app update, and that's every Friday. Last week, he was uh, in Kitchener, in this area. Yeah. And it was miserable weather, and he'll be happy to know today it's miserable weather, <laughs> especially with him being out there out in Vancouver. We are taking two minutes. We will be right back. And when we return, it's time for the Friday Buzz with Bill Shackleton. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. So when you bring John Beeler on the program or Michael Babcock or Michael Fair, I, I today really had one of those segments that I felt like, wow, how really amazing this stuff can be knowing that I'm not even sure I can come up with enough practical uses for some of the things that the AI can engines do. are going to do, um, the mixing of things as time goes on to create graphics, to create interesting things that you might want it to do that you may not even know mm -hmm. until, oh, wow, look at that. That's right. Um, that's if what I think like, the premise is, right? Like we don't yeah. even necessarily realize in a practical sense or at everyday level what these um, these teachings to AIs can do. Now, when we start experiencing them, we go, oh, yeah, of course, that makes total sense, right? Like image description and auto-generated captions and auto-generated uh, audio description, these kind of things are absolutely capable now of AI and are going to get better as we continue uh, growing AI and machine learning, but we never thought of it that way beforehand. No. And those practical ways of using things, even just down to that Wikipedia business, oh, yeah. or when you make mention of, I need a capsulation of this book that's 10,000 words, but do it in 500, yep. my mind just says, what? How? How does it decide? Pick and choose. And of course, it's causing... You, you to wonder, and it to call on different resources. So it's it's pretty tremendous. Also, what's tremendous is with yesterday us missing out on talking to Bill Shackleton, we missed a decision of the buzz. Let's bring him in, Bill Shackleton. What's going on today, sir? Well, we're not going to miss this one. Um, actually, this is first one is really kind of close to me. Death of a Balcony, why an outdoor space may soon be a luxury item in Condoland. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, so I already thought it was. Uh, it might I it might be. Um, um basically what it is is soaring condo construction prices and a new emphasis on the carbon footprint of buildings are pushing some condo developers to in Canada to contemplate what was once unthinkable, illuminating balconies. Um, there are pros and cons to balconies. Um, you know, there are people that think they should be reprocessed. So maybe you can convert a balcony to a bedroom or a storage room. Um, some people don't even use them. <clears throat> some people are afraid of heights. Hey, some people, uh, no, on a balcony. How do people turn balconies into bedrooms? Well, they they screen them in. Oh gosh. Okay, glass sorry. Glass them in. I'm learning so yeah, much. Yeah, they sharing. glass them in. Uh huh. Um, 
but people are afraid of heights. People are, they, you know, they don't want the kids out there because they may go over the edge or they may go over the rail. So the question becomes to a lot of people, <clears throat> do you actually use a balcony? Do you really want it? And if you don't use it, why would you want it? And, you know, the, the, the pros of a balcony is I would never give up a balcony because I want my fresh air. Mm -hmm. And how do you, I mean, do I have to walk down 17 floors to get air? Um, so it's, it's interesting the way this is going to go. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if it becomes a luxury item, you'll be paying more for a balcony, which is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. I think you do now. You Maybe do, yeah. you do because of square footage, but basically. You, exactly. Well, and whether you rent or or uh, buy, that's just another way to add on to it. It, it is that. Honestly, uh, it actually ahead, does scare me a little that you know we're moving into. And don't get me wrong, I'm not unaware that around the world there are places with uh, conditions similar to this, right? Like stacked homes and just people living in absolutely tiny, tiny places. And that's just normal life in very populated cities. But it's wild to me, you know, getting rid of balconies or just everything is getting smaller and tighter and more closed in. And now we're talking about just getting rid of, like you said, Billy, fresh air. What are we soon going to say? You know, windows cost too much, so uh, you get one of those. Close them up. Seal them up. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, well, there's... No more lights, no more electricity. You're just going to be living in a box. Um, there's another There's another issue to this, and that is that um, they are, you know, the more doors you have and windows you have, the more chance of leakage. So that's another thing, is that your mm. building would, your your condo would be, theoretically more efficient heating wise if there was no doors if, if you eliminated that yep. yeah yeah and what's scary is too i mean I, i'm not sure if this is necessarily a good or a bad but the fact is with condo corporations you know people just vote in the people who've invested their money uh into building these things and building the um the decision making process i guess are the ones with the money and those people get the vote of how the building is built, how it's taken care of, what maintenance looks like. So essentially, you know, only a few people, a certain percentage of um, people have the power to make the decisions. And the rest of us are just moving in. Yeah. See, to me, this is something that has been like this for a very long time. To jack up the price if somebody, oh, I'd like a, a balcony space. Well, that'll cost you a little more. Uh, I'd like to be yeah. a little higher in the building. Oh, that'll cost you a little more. That whether you're purchasing the place, whether you're renting it, same song. So you said, Bill, I'll, I want my balcony. Now, I know you've commented on being close to the highway, how loud it can be out there, but you wouldn't trade it for anything. You need headphones where I am, but you still can have your morning coffee Mm. with your headphones on and you still smell the air such as it is <laughs> you know such as it is but you get the as outdoor say, time yeah um you got the and, outdoors. and his building's new yeah so the thought process of this eliminating i don't know i i, I always find when i hear these conversations what excuse what are we working up to now mm -hmm. that 
save somebody money while they make money. First, it yeah. was like, you know, you, you got to get used to the fact that a lot of people are living in condos. Condo life is the default. But now condo life feels so compromised. Yep. Places are so tiny. Well, and you also look at the potential for, you know, birds. You you don't want birds coming to harm either. Um, and sometimes balconies, I'm assuming, can be a little risky that way. But also for people, they just get frustrated where you end up putting up a net or putting up some kinds of uh, windows or something to block. So then you start shaking your head saying, why do I have one? I can't enjoy yeah, the outside really anyway. It just becomes a place to put boxes. Yep, that's... That's where this is interesting, the way this is going to go. Yeah. Um, and the supporting evidence. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this one. Made in the U.S. proposed grocery um, laws um, are going to, if this goes through, um, uh, meat packaging companies or, well, let's put it this way, consumers will get to know whether their meats, their steaks, and pork chops are really made in the USA. Now, on, according to a survey, a lot of consumers in the States assume that the meat is made in the USA. So it's slaughtered in the USA. The reality is it's not. It's slaughtered in another country and may be packaged in the USA. So these laws would clarify whether or not the meat was actually slaughtered in the USA. And of course, the farmers love this mm -hmm. um, because they are saying, well, why are you? you're not buying our meat? You're buying meat from another country. And we want you, know, we want you to buy, you know, the old brand buying in the US. So mm -hmm. if I know that, you know, my, you know, if you know that the, the steak come from, came from a cow in my farm, hopefully you'll buy it. Yep. Right. If you actually know what's in the U if made in the U.S., and I wonder, wonder what how... the percentage of people who don't know, who uh, assume a lot, a so lot, of, many. A lot of and that's why it's a rarity. Actually, like even in Toronto, there are a couple places that the they're, I the iconic you know reason why you would go to these steakhouses is because it's farm to table or like that. Grade A Canadian meat. Yes, exactly. You know, and they tell you each product and where it came from and how it was fed and how long it blah blah blah. Like I don't know anything about making steak, but you know the the reasons why you would pick this steak over just a generic steak on a menu that you're paying potentially well, more for. I've always heard that, like you're saying, the advertising. So I think I got it in my head since we hear about Canadian beef, that so much of our meat came from here. And and maybe we're in a different position in the United States. Maybe it's the demand with the population. I don't, I don't know. But it does surprise me because I would have thought that being one of the things that for sure primarily came from the U.S. as opposed to Argentina or somewhere. Mm -hmm. You would think wow. so. You would think so. But I think that that sentiment is taken for granted. It is? Like, we're just not sure. But Those we would assume. Uh, steaks from Texas? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know. Yeah, it's probably deeper than that, too. You know, if they're if they're saying where it came from, they're probably also talking about the process yeah, of the meat and how long it was aged, That's et very possible, plus trade, right? Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with the deals we make. Because there's a lot of things. We have that impression that Canada, oh, we do our own oil. No, it goes elsewhere. I mean, like, would you pay more for the meat 
if you knew, or would you pay a significant dollar for your steak if you knew where it came from, what it was fed, how long it was aged, and all that stuff? I, don't, I wouldn't if, know anything if, about that. Mm. Yeah, if, I, I think there are, uh, the farmers are hoping that, yeah, you may pay a little more if it's yeah. made in the U.S., maybe, you know. But why? The transparency. Like, in the U.S. Yeah. Because no, no, I mean, why should it cost more if it's from here, not, right? Not That's, maybe, I think, the problem we have. Maybe not you that don't... it costs more, but maybe it's justified. You know, the cost yeah. of it is justified if you're transparent about the story. I, I know myself. I would think it be reasonably priced if it's from here. It's getting quicker from farm to my table as opposed to importing. So to me, it logically in my head, and that I'm not a person who knows anything about how this works and the distribution or anything, mm -hmm. but you would think it would be the way to go and be the cheaper choice. Potentially. Maybe. So what if it's a really good cut of meat? compared to the, the basic meat you're getting from somewhere else. Um, then you're willing to pay more for it because it's local. I'm willing to pay more for a better cut of meat. Not that I'm a meat expert, but I don't think I would, I would have made the assumption before this that it came from here. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't that's, have that's really ask. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and you, Billy? Uh, Did you make that um, same assumption? Billy, do you eat yeah, steak? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You make your own? Yeah, like out on your balcony? Barbecue it over the noise? <laughs> Come on, yeah. guys. Oh, you're not. That's illegal. We can't admit to that on air. Yeah, no, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We can't. Okay. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't even hear it crying, Bill, so take some of the fun away because it's so noisy. Well, you have your it, I'd hard. burn it. I'd burn it. Really? Because oh, I you do. Hear it. Yeah. Uh huh. Do you prefer it? Well done? Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way I knew that's what we were getting at. Way too chewy. <laughs> I knew we were headed that way. Shaq, as usual, appreciate you being with us. Uh, we'll talk to you next week on the show. Uh, indeed. Yep. Bill Shackleton, we get into these conversations. That guy we goes. get into them. Uh-oh. Going to go make a steak on the balcony, even in the snow. Plead the fifth. <laughs> Don't answer that. Yeah, he won't say anything, right? The landlord might be watching, or the condo uh, condo board. That's right. Folks, we'll step aside. We've got uh, a lot more ahead in the next hour of the show. On the Chatty Bookshelf, Ryan Huey dives into Colin Kaepernick's new book. Billy will stay tuned for that. It's called Change the Game. We also get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. Up next, we have our gardening segment with Susan Kearney. Today, we highlight the lovely evening primrose. Stand by. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.